Hello, and welcome to Moment of Truth. My name is Sarah Aryi, and this is Bethel Campus Fellowship, or BCF. We are a non-denominational campus ministry serving college and high school students all over the world. And our mission and vision is to lead students to Christ and prepare them to become reliable men and women that God can entrust with his word for the next generation. And being involved in this ministry for several years now, I have seen amazing things happen from high school to graduate school, undergrad. God is really changing the lives lives of students. He are tur- he's turning them from sin and iniquity and putting in them the desire to seek his face. People are overcoming and continuing to run the good race. So for that, we thank God because there is hope for our generations and the generations to come. Amen. 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 On that note, I want to welcome our special guest today. We have our national director, Dr. George Uday. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. It's always a joy. We have Deepa, who is a graduate of UMBC. Thank you, Sarah. It's an honor. Awesome. And last but not least, we have Blossom Ajuku, an alumni from University of Maryland College Park. Yes. I'm glad to be here. Welcome, everyone. All right. So today's topic is a weighty one. It's one that people don't really like to hear or talk about because it can it can come with a lot of things. Anger, shame, disappointment, fear, confusion. But we're going to tackle it today by God's grace. Amen. Amen. That's what Moment of Truth is here for. We want to shed truth. We want to open up the scriptures and really see what does God say about this thing. So today's topic is overcoming sexual perversion. And I'm going to pray really quickly before we get in. So Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just pray, Father, as we are speaking today, as we're discussing, would everyone who is listening, God, receive your word with an open heart. For anyone, God, who is struggling in this area, who is confused, who is looking to overcome, I pray may they receive grace and strength from hearing, oh God, your word. May it come forth like a hammer, like a fire. May it come forth, oh God, and just deal with all that needs to be dealt with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So I want to read a few scriptures that we're really anchoring this um, topic on um, of sexual perversion. So first I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. And it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Also, Ephesians chapter five, verse three, it says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So from these scriptures, we see very clearly that it's God's desire that we would be holy, that we would be that there wouldn't even be a hint or a glimpse or any t- any type of sexual morality named among us or even found inside of us. So God obviously doesn't want us to have anything to do with with sexual sin, sexual morality, and sexual perversion. But before, you know, we really see why this is, we want to understand what is sexual perversion? Some people may not know. It sounds like a big word. What is sexual perversion? And I want to kind of base that question off of this scripture. It says, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual morality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So what is sexual perversion? What is the sexual sin where you're sinning against your own body? Uncle George, can you brief us on that a little bit? Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, I want to say that sexual immorality has been highlighted, you know, in scriptures. It has also been highlighted in society. Um, God says, let there be no hint of sexual immorality in your, in our lives, especially among God's brethren. And I think when I reflect on it, I believe it has to do with the fact that God's instrument for operation on earth is our body. Yeah. You know, our body is all he has. And when he wants to engage us, he puts his Holy Spirit inside our, our bodies. And that's how we are able to operate as Christians. Unfortunately, sexual immorality also engages the body full length yeah. and fully, which means that um, when you give your body to sexual immorality, you are giving God's sacred instrument over to uh, the spirit of uh, perversion. And that's where the confusion and the conflict begins. And that's why when you look at the, the Bible and what is said, 
In John chapter two, it said Jesus walked into the temple and saw people buying and selling and he yeah. screamed. He said, don't you know that this house is a house of, my father's house is a house of prayer. Yeah. And he got very angry. You know, some people think that Jesus fought in that place, but I don't <laughs> think he fought. I think he just wielded authority and command and he began to chase people out of the temple. That's the frustration that God has. They didn't realize that they, that was the house of prayer, God's house. The same thing with us. We don't realize that our bodies is a house of prayer. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. God's weapon for us, you know, having dominion over this earth. So when we submit it to perverted things like sexual immorality, you, we frustrate the Holy Spirit out of it. And that's the scripture you just read. He said, know ye not that your body is the temple the of Ghost. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Don't you know you are purchased with a prize? So... Uh, believers, when we understand this, honestly, we keep our bodies sanctified so yeah. that the Holy Spirit can continue to live there yeah. because we can actually drive him away. Yeah. You know, he cannot lay with an adulterer. You can't put the Holy Spirit to bed with your partner and say, sleep with all of us. The Holy Spirit will get up and do what? Go. And go. And that's, that's why a sexual perversion um, is a very, it's a very intimate sin. And God's, God is intimate. Yeah. And his intimacy is manifested in the fact that he lives within us. So when you want to bring in two husbands, God will say no. Yeah. That's why it says, let it not be hinted. Let it not be mentioned. Not even a hint. A hint of it among yeah. you. It makes me think of how the Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Yes. So there can't even be a hint of darkness in him. You know, God God can't fight or cohabitate with darkness. When you choose to give yourself over to sexual morality, God says, okay, and he steps away. He cannot fellowship there. He cannot remain there. So it shows that it's a very serious sin because you're alienating yourself from Christ. You're cutting yourself off from God, even if it's just a hint, even if it's just a little bit. So I want us to dive in and see, okay, what are these things? Even the hints, what are the causes? What are the roots of sexual morality? How does it start? You know, how do we get to the point? Because it's not always just full-blown having sex. There are Christians who aren't having sex. They are virgins physically, but spiritually, they're not virgins. You know, spiritually, they've been abused. Spiritually, they're prostitutes. So how does this manifest? How, like, what are the, sorry, what are the causes? How does this come about? Um, I'll start off and just talk about one, which is thoughts, desires in the heart. You know, what we think, what we allow to, to manifest inside. I want to look at James chapter one because it really illustrates it really well. James one verses 13 to 15. It says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when fully grown gives birth to death. So I see here clearly as the scripture says is, you know, it starts from desire. Our desires drag us away. We become enticed. We become so infatuated by this desire. When we're feeding it, we're thinking about it. And then it ends up leading to sin and sin death. You know, when it comes to things like pornography and masturbation, it always starts with a thought. You know, the thought of I, I'm desiring this thing. I want this thing. And then it grows until you eventually sin. And then sin leads to death. So there's there's an element of desire starting in your heart. You know, you don't just end up doing it, but it was growing. Some, it was growing from somewhere. Yeah. So heart and desire is a very, 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 very real one. Um, when it comes to this, I want to pinpoint other causes. What are other ways that we see sexual morality comes about? A scripture that um, I want to read that comes to mind is James uh, 3, verse 16, which says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil thing and evil of every kind. Um, and that's just to pinpoint some some roots to sexual immorality, because oftentimes sexual um, pleasure um, is is something that we we run to when when something else is is doing us in right when envy is is being um showcased in our lives and unforgiveness and anger and sexual intimacy with another person or even with yourself is is a, is is something that your soul is desiring to escape from um from the hurt and 
these things are they 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 the Lord is 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 touching on them that He may deliver us from the anger, He may deliver us from the evil. But when we run to our other lovers, then the work of God is stifled, it's stagnant. Um, and I just also want to read Hosea chapter two, verse seven. Before you get there, I think it's interesting what you're what you're saying because in this verse, um, what we see here is that sometimes sexual morality can spring from other things, other issues in our heart, yeah. like bitterness and envy. Yeah. Um, I really kind of want to touch on that because people don't usually think that bitterness and envy can lead to sexual morality. How can that come apart? Like, how can that happen? Um, can you think of an example or a situation like how bitterness can lead? Like, how is that possible? It is very, very possible. They, they, because people are looking for escape. <laughs> Just like people that do drugs, you know, people don't just get up and go to drugs. They get into drugs because sometimes some from pain, they pain, they want to numb the pain and then they get into some narcotics and they get uh, numbed and they start taking more and more and more of it. So sexual immorality like that is when you are in pain, but that sexual thing is the way of relief. Is a way of somebody loves me, mm-hmm. you know, somebody still cares for me, you know, and you don't know they are robbing you of your purity. They are robbing you of the, of your intimacy with God, but they embrace you and they're having sex with you. And then that feeling of sex kind of brings some ecstatic joy that lasts for just one minute. And then you are mm-hmm. back to your depression. Yeah. So some is escapism basically i want to escape from what is happening i'm escaping from my father and my mother i have unforgiveness with them i hate them therefore you run into the house of arms of your boy mm. boyfriend and then he you start cohabiting and you start sleeping there and before you know it you have a, a child and you are in court and you know the life just gets messed up yeah mm. so i agree with the when there is a schism when there's hatred also, sexual perversion grows um, and grows wild. Yeah. Um, one of the things that also kind of leads to sexual perversion is idleness. Mm. Idleness, not just physically, but idleness of the mind. Um, and so just from, to reference that, you can um, if you take a look at Second Samuel 11. Um, that was when the children of Israel were going to battle with the Ammonites. Um, and if you want Second Samuel 11, um, I'll just quickly read from verse 1 to 3. It says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israel army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege on the city of Reba. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after the midday rest, David got out of bed, was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Um, and the following verses just talked about how David um, began to to inquire of her, um, and that, that led to um, sexual immorality. Uh, and you can see that it didn't just start with David just... Um, Lost out to her. He started with idleness, right? When kings were going to go to war, um, he said, I'm a king. Let me just stay behind. And, um, when we've heard this, um, saying the idle man is the devil's workshop, right? Uh, and so when we mm-hmm. leave our mind idle, we don't feed our, mind, our minds on the things of God and things of righteous. Um, the devil sees it as a, as a breathing place for him to input things that are not just. And so we tend to fall into, um, things that are unjust. We tend to fall into things that are, are immoral, and that's one of the things that can lead to sexual immorality. Even with that, it shows me that no one is immune. No one mm-hmm. should think that because I have a status or I'm in this place that I cannot fall into sexual sin. Because even David, who is a king, who we now know as a man who was after God's heart, just by stepping outside of God's will, by not being where he was supposed to be, made him vulnerable. So that tells me, because people think that, you know, when I get married and I have sex now, I'm not dealing with it anymore. Mm-hmm. But the devil attacks you even yes. more because there are still women around. There's still mm-hmm. men around. Mm-hmm. Your eyes are still working. Your mind is still working. So, you know, getting married and then finally getting to have sex doesn't solve all the problems. Uncle George is married. As a matter of fact, <laughs> some people even go after married couple, married women. <laughs> married men they know you are married they see your ring as they pull the ring off they in fact they pull your ring off and trash it so sexual immorality is we have to understand that it's spiritual it's a spirit Mm. there's a spirit of perversion Mm. that is up behind it and many people are possessed by it many people are being oppressed by it 
And because we don't know, we think it's our mentality. It's not a mental mentality thing. Um, and we need to understand that and begin to seek deliverance and start seeking for healing of the mind and healing of the, of the spirit. Yeah. And even with David and Bathsheba, we see that, you know, the eyes, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. So things that we see and look at are, are very important, you know, and now the days of social media is so big, you know, people are on their summer vacations, taking pictures in their bikinis. And it baffles me that I see Christian brothers and even sisters liking, commenting, applauding, clapping. And this person is half naked, not realizing that this is feeding that spirit of sexual perversion and immorality. And so I really want us to really hone in on the, the element of the eyes because we see it all the time. You get on Instagram now, you'll probably see somebody who's half naked, who's a Christian. Um, Uncle Joe, can you talk about the, the two adulterous sisters in Ezekiel 23? Just yeah. touching on the... Yeah, aspect. yeah. You 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 also made a point of just people liking these things, endorsing it, endorsing right. it. This thing about liking things in the in Instagram and in Facebook, <laughs> trying to make ourselves happy, forgetting mm. the very basic. Uh, thing, which is that we are Christians first before we became members of social media. And we have to operate as Christians in every place. Yeah. And we have to be careful about the things we like. Um, and uh, uh, the scripture you just mentioned is uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 23. In Ezekiel 23, and I will find it quickly. The Bible talks about two sisters who decided to become prostitutes. Uh, that's a uh, whole... Oholiab and Ohola. These two sisters, the Bible talks about them as Samaria and uh, Jerusalem, but they became uh, prostitutes. And the, 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 the segment I want to read is from verse 14. The Bible said, but Oholiab carried her prostitution still further. That means she went beyond the regular. She carried it you know, further. Mm. She saw men portrayed on a wall, figures of Chaldeans portrayed in red with belts around their waists and flowing turbans on their heads. All of them looked like Babylonian chariot officers, natives of Chaldea. As soon as she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. You know, this is happening in, in our lives these days, in social media. Social media you know, is a Social one. media, yeah. They will it's see you. One. They see your image. They see things. They watch pornography. They things. This lady saw the images and pictures, magazines of this soldiers. And then she, the next day, she, she sent messengers. So, uh, um, we, we have people calling us on social media these days, you know, they will DM you, do direct messaging, you know, I love you, you know, this, this. They, have, they have meditated on you. They lusted after your picture and that triggered the invitation to call you. They could, these are men who cannot, who have no self-control, who can control their emotions like, you know, animals, you know, they, they pursue whatever they see, mm. you know, and sometimes we fall for them. So this is a typical example of seeing and doing yeah. where sight activates what happens next. Then uh, association, uh, we're talking about association too. Let me read from Proverbs chapter five, about association. So I talked about eyes. Before I leave the issue matter of eyes, I'd like to mention something maybe where we get there on Job, Job 31, where Job dealt with the issue of the eyes. He said, I have made covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman lustfully. Whether you like it or not, what you watch, the television you watch, the Instagram messages, the nude pictures, the pornography, they are all open doors for possession, for yeah. oppression mm -hmm. from the spirit of perversion. And when they come, you're going to become like what you watch. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to become like what you see every day. You wouldn't even know. You start manifesting them mm -hmm. yeah. uh, 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 gradually. And there are people who are probably listening saying, how can I be on social media and all of a sudden I'm being exposed to possession and oppression is not that serious. I get on, I post my scriptures, I post with my friends. How am I being exposed to these things? But if you just step back and look at the patterns of your life, 
How are you dressing? How are you behaving? How are you acting? Most times you get tied back to what you have been fixing your eyes on. This is a principle that is biblical and it's just what life is. What you fix your eyes, your thoughts on is what you become. What you behold is what you become. So these things seem so subtle. Oh, I'm just scrolling. I'm just seeing. I'm just Mm. being entertained. Mm. But even the word entertainment is to enter, is to draw you into whatever you're seeing is what you're being fixed on. So what George is saying is very key. You know, the the, the thing of the eyes is whatever your eyes are fixed on is going to affect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just to reference um, Matthew 5, 28, when um, Jesus talked about the, um, if you look at a woman lustful in your heart, right, you've committed adultery. And it just shows that it starts from the heart. Right. And what are you feeling, filling your mind with? Right. So the different gates to the heart, right. You have what you see, like Sarah talked about what you see, what you listen to, the shows you watch. Um, and we're in a generation that it's, it's so easy to access information, right. Um, you can like just through social media, scrolling, even down the road, you just like look at people and everything. And, um, I, for one, um, in the past, I would tend to tell myself that, well, um, I people watch. I tend to just like, I like just like observing people. Um, but then again, that those warning eyes was what caused David to actually look at, um, Bathsheba lustfully and that led to sexual morality. So it's pretty much about what's, what are you feeding your eyes with? What are you feeding your ears with? Right. And making sure that you're pure, not, not just in your actions, but even in your thoughts and what you feed your heart with. Yeah. I, I read this scripture very quickly in uh, Proverbs chapter five. It says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Mm-hmm. Turn your ear to my words of insights that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Mm-hmm. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. You know, I want to just uh, uh, talk about association. Yes. You know, sometimes we enter into this habit of of uh, spending time with people, you know, just talking. We say it doesn't matter. We're talking some re- Bible. Come, let me tell you, if you lock yourself in a room and talk Bible all you want, <laughs> your body will speak. Yeah. Your flesh will speak. And it will take that Bible, wrap it up, put it aside, and be- get busy. You know, with other things. So just talking and in, in, at odd times also spending hours with someone, an opposite, um, uh, and, uh, say another gender, you know, just becoming intimate and mutual. Sharing yeah, deep things. And of sharing the heart, deep yeah. things of the heart. Just, uh, you know, sometimes it's even your pains, the pains you are going through that you are sharing, yeah. but out of it with something we just emerge, mm. which is sexual immorality. Yeah. Uh, so avoiding those kind of intimate times with people at all times. Someone is calling at 12 midnight, you know, mm-hmm. to talk and then FaceTime, mm-hmm. FaceTime, FaceTime. People, I've seen young men lie on their bed and make a call to a sister and they're, they're lying down in very uh, vulnerable, perverted ways. And then they're talking with you and they know what they're doing. They're stirring up some emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before you know it, you are in your car going down to see, to be with them. It starts with seeing and then pursuing, thinking and then pursuing. So God will win us out of this. That's why he says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Wisdom. Yes, I think yeah. the, the smartest thing we could do as we're hearing these things is not despise wisdom and instruction. Yes. Um, to not to despise it. So we've identified several causes, hearts, your heart, your desires, your thoughts, what you're seeing, other evil um, roots like bitterness and envy and even association, close intimacy with the opposite sex. So we see what can cause sexual perversion. But now I want us to, okay, what are the consequences? You know, why is this so destructive? Why is this so dangerous to us? What, what manifests from sexual perversion? I think Galatians 5, um, 19 to 21 is a great scripture to start where the word of God talks about um, what the word of God talks about the, the consequences of our, of our actions. Um, And it reads verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. And that speaks very clearly as to the consequence. As Uncle George mentioned before, when you use your body that the Lord has 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 designed for a particular function and you then use it for an alternate function, then the results are clear. The results are no longer that which it was functioned for, but what you have decided to use your body for. Um, and the, the, the Bible is clear. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I like that, that the Bible says the evidence is clear because a lot of times we say, well, you know, it depends on where you live. It depends on your culture. It depends on your, on your society. You know, depending on where you are, it's okay to date and have sex and test the waters because, you know, America is a looser society compared to other places. Yeah. But the Bible says it's very clear. It's very evident. So there shouldn't be any confusion. So we see here, it says that adultery, fornication, lust, and all these desires. But what about, um, and this may be, you know, one that brings up a lot of conflict and it's touchy, but what about, you know, people who have been molested when they were younger, you know, they were abused. And now they say, because this happened to me, I just cannot be, but this way, how do we address that? Yeah, it's difficult for those ones. Um, it's difficult sometimes because they themselves do not tap into the resources of the word of God. The resource of the, the resources we find in the word of God makes it clear that when God forgives us, he forgives us. Mm. When he cleanses us, he cleanses us. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, that man is what? A, A new, new creation. Old things are passed away. passed away. Everything becomes what? Mm. New. So there is the power there's the, there's the authority in, in being born again. You know, the Bible makes it clear in John chapter one, verse um, 12, say to them that received him, to them that believed in him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. God. It means the power to operate as yeah. children of God. That power, you didn't have it when you were molested. That power, you didn't have it after you were molested. That power comes after you say yes to who? To Jesus Christ. You yeah. get the power to operate in with boldness, yeah. with sanctity, with in victory. So many people are tied to their memories, the memories of the past, more than they are tied to the memory of scriptures. Yeah. And yes. I think when we begin to operate and in, in, in the in the in the authority that is found in the word said he has translated you from the dominion of darkness into the dominion or into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. So there's a crossing over that happens when we get born again. So it's, it's not okay to remain wearied by these histories of abuse because if we all live like that, then we can never enter into our rest. Yes, we yes. cannot. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. yeah. And what are the testimonies in the scripture? What are, what does, what are the memories, um, that the Lord has given us, um, on, on, on topics of I'm, I am this way because I was molested. I am this way or because of, um, this thing that happened to me, I am now a homosexual or, or whatever. The Bible says in Psalm 37, this is a testimony from our almighty God. Um, verse 35, it says, I have seen the wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a native green tree. I have seen wickedness flourishing as if it was there natively, as if it was supposed to be there. But verse 36 says, and then when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. And that is a testament as to the power that Uncle George was referring to, that unto those who believe he has given them the power to be sons of God. So oftentimes it's like, I'm this way. How, how do I stop? How do I stop my sexual sin? How do I, how do I just leave this life behind? And it is, and it is that power that comes from belief, believing that, that all you need to believe is that Jesus in the one who he has sent. Right. And he, you will receive power to be son, to be a son of God and to live a righteous, holy life that Jesus Christ died and suffered in anguish for us to have. Mm. And even that where it says that he, we're able to look again. Sometimes what we see our identity, our identity as is not really what it is. We're able to look again now from God's eyes and say, you know what? I am not bound to my past because now I see the cross. I see Calvary. And so my abuse, the things that I, it's not even my abuse anymore because it's on the cross. Yeah. And God made a public display of those things and he put the enemy to shame by putting it on the cross. So that's no longer who we are. So it's good to know that there is freedom when those things manifest itself. I think another one that isn't often talked about is, you know, the consequence of, 
people who are in fellowship, in community, you know, having strange relationship with each other, whether it's situationships or getting way too intimate. And then now you have a situation where, you know, brother A and B are married. And so is, sorry, brother A and, okay, Jack and Jill are married. And so is Tom and Lisa, but they have all slept with each other. And so now you've, you've joined yourself to so many other different people. And now it's awkward in fellowship. You can't look each other in the eye. It's no longer honorable. The marriage bed has been defiled. You talk about that consequence because that's a serious one. It's a very serious consequence. And I, I, I see what you're saying. You know, the Bible says here in uh, Proverbs chapter, um, in I think it's chapter six. Chapter six. Yeah, it says, do not lost in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes for a prostitute can be had, be had for a loaf of bread, but other man, another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire in his lap without its clothing being born? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Somewhere it says, do not, uh, it says, drink only from your own system. Drink only Proverbs from your own five. system. Yeah. From Proverbs 5. Drink, yeah, verse 15. Proverbs 5 say, drink water from your own system, running water from your own well. Sometimes, uh, um, single, singles don't think that this concerns them. Yeah. Yeah. They think it's only for married people. You're married. Don't go to another person's first, uh, wife or husband. No, it involves you even right now because yeah. if you're going to marry only one man and you have slept with 10 then you have messed with other people's spouses yeah true you know if you're supposed to marry only one wife and or, or you you have slept with uh, uh, 18 it means around this world there'll be married people to other 17 men or women whom you have messed with mm. and when you gather in, to talk and let, let's go we're four here now we're two sisters and two brothers just imagine that whereas brother a has slept with the two <laughs> sisters and two sisters one is married to brother b one is married to brother a right but brother a has slept with the other two yeah see and they're sitting there they're preaching the gospel still but something is going on yeah yeah there's some emotions because brother a has messed with somebody who is not his He's known his own, them both. Wife, you know, wife. So we need to be just as singles, as young people know that we have to conserve ourselves. Plus, when you get into this business of sexual perversion with the people, you're also tying yourself to their spirits. That's why marriage is becoming difficult because people have had different shades of sexual experiences, right? Yeah. And when they get married, they're expecting all those shades to play, to mm. play out. And this, <laughs> there can only be one shade because you're married to one person but you experience you have, you want another t- uh, 20 shades mm. because you have experienced 20 men yeah. and they, then you cannot be satisfied by your husband or by your wife yeah and then the marriage breaks you know right. so we, we need to be very careful there's a reason god is warning us about about sexual about, about sexual immorality so and not even sleeping with one another but just getting too close emotional you know, emotional mm-hmm. entanglement is yeah. also a dangerous one because that also is what leads your thoughts and your desires yeah. elsewhere yeah. so you may not be having sex with that person but now you're fantasizing about them mm-hmm. you're dreaming about being next to them or you just no longer have a sound mind because of those things so even as getting to especially for i can speak on behalf of women you know a lot of times we are looking for a place of refuge yeah. somewhere to pour out our heart's problem and it feels good it's pleasurable to have a guy to listen to us to comfort us to pray for us to give us scriptures at 12 a.m yeah. at night when yeah. we're going through it yeah. but those things begin to entangle us emotionally and mm-hmm. then it affects every other area so that's a very big consequence as well. And it just spills over into many, many other different things. Yeah. And, and what even eventually happens is when genuine love actually comes, you, you're not able to recognize it. But right? someone who is actually yeah, um, embedded in sexual morality, um, because your, your perception of love is, is skewed. Your perception for love is, is pretty much perverse. But when, when love comes, and that, that's why people like that are not able to, to actually recognize the love of the father. And so they don't understand like, Oh, can God really love me? Like the way, um, can he actually forgive my sins? Cause they're not used mm. to that. And so you find people who are, um, being beaten by, um, someone who they're in a relationship with. Um, and they still say, okay, well, I still love him. I still love him. And that's because that, that, that sexual morality has clouded the judgment. And so when they see genuine love, they're not able to actually, um, act, accept that. And that's the perversion part. It perverts what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that, 
I'm not even one thing, but we can have hope and rejoice because there is a solution. Yes. There is a way out. There is redemption. And I want us to talk on those different things. I want us to first address, you know, there are people who maybe right now they are in sin or they gave the life to Christ, but they have fallen to sexual sin. Is there hope? You know, how can you get out? How can you be redeemed from your past? How can you not live with the shame and the guilt and feeling dirty and abused and misused? You know, what does God have to say about redeeming people from sexual perversion? Yes, I want to read um, Isaiah 54, which is a scripture that the Lord ministered to my heart when I gave my life to Christ. Um, And it reads, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood. For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the one of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. Mm. And when the Lord ministered this scripture to me, I was simply in a place where I said, "Okay, you know, Jesus Christ died for my sin. But I still feel the shame and the heaviness of what I have done against my own body in the place of sexual sin. How can I overcome? Who will be my lover now? Now that I have, I have, I've, I, I, I feel so much shame and heaviness. And this scripture ministered to my heart and healed a broken heart where the Lord said himself, for your creator will be your husband. He will Amen. be the one to embrace you. He will be the one to, to love you. He, he, and, 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 and for me, my only job was simply to believe that I was forgiven. When I had chosen to believe that I was forgiven, I started to walk in that freedom because oftentimes the enemy will use shame to bring you back into the place of bondage where you say, I, I'm, I can't be free. Look at all the things that I've done. How can I really truly walk in freedom? But the Lord says your creator the creator of heaven, Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is able to bear every form of heaviness, every form of, of guilt that you have. He is able to bear it. And he has said, I have vowed my life through the giving of my son, through the shedding of my blood, that I will be your husband. And that truth healed me. It healed me and enabled me to walk in the freedom that I am loved, that I am forgiven. And therefore, there's now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as soon as the burden of condemnation is lifted, then there is victory and there is freedom. Amen. Amen. um, I think it's Isaiah 65. I read from verse 17. It says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. The former things will not be remembered. So it it doesn't matter how you have been. I've seen people who were prostitutes, you know, really walking the streets. That's their, that was their career. Mm -hmm. And today they are preaching the gospel with all their hearts. And they have, they preach the same quality of scripture. They don't start tolerating or breaking down scripture because they, they acknowledge where they have been, but they embrace the truth of the word of God. And the Bible says that the truth we know shall do what? Shall set us free. You can be free. Sometimes we may need to seek deliverance, right? We may need to do certain things. We may need to put certain things in place in order to overcome sexual immorality. You may need to stop watching that particular, uh, a movie, that particular uh, television station that leads you to it, that particular magazine book that you read, you may just need to break away from them. But the truth is that we, you can overcome this. Yes. I've seen homosexuals who are no longer homosexuals yes. and they are preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. We see them every day. They are preaching the gospel as if they were never homosexuals. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen uh, uh, adulterers and adulteresses confess their sins. So you may need to seek deliverance because this is a spirit. I don't think yeah. many people understand as a spirit. You may need to ask somebody to people to pray for you yeah. and cast out the spirit of perversion. The problem is with that is if you cast him out and you don't correct your ways, he has a way of just coming, coming back. back. Yeah, versus your friend. So one more thing I will mention 
uh, before I pass, pass it on is Job 31 verse 1. That's a, a, an example of a definite action. And some people think that these things we're dealing with are New Testament stuff. They are not New Testament stuff. He says, Job says in Job 31 verse 1, he said, I made the covenant. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully, not to choose to lose, look lustfully, to make yeah. sure, to guard my, my heart and check what is in me when I'm looking at a young woman. He made up his mind in Old Testament, not New Testament, that he will not do that. No wonder he prospered. He, right. so, he was successful through the trials and temptations and then made it to the very end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we see that um, it's a very active thing. Overcoming is a very active thing. You cannot passively get out of sexual perversion because yeah. the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy you through even the smallest hint. Because remember, the scripture we started with is let there not even be a hint. Mm. So even the small thing that taints you, the enemy wants to use it to destroy you. So it's a very active thing. It's a very, very, like you have to be intentional about it. So the Bible says flee yes. useful lust. Yes. Flee. Joseph, he just ran away. Yeah. There was no con there's no thinking about it. He just had to run. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible says flee, I think it actually means flee. That yes. means when you see the onset, when you recognize the symptoms we talked about, when you see your heart straying away, you see your thoughts becoming darkened. At that moment, it's like a red light flashes and you say, I have to flee. Don't wait until you get to the point where you're having sex, where you're like, oh my goodness, I'm dealing with lust. When it started at no, because we do that sometimes and pretend like we don't know, but we know these things. Mm -hmm. We know when our heart is drawing us away. We know when our thoughts are starting to go to an impure place, but we say it's so subtle. Mm -hmm. It's just a hint. It hasn't gotten bad yet. Mm -hmm. But then when we're fully, when, when sin is fully blown, we say, wow, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. I'm now in death. I now I need deep, strong deliverance. But if we would just see that this thing comes to kill you, sexual perversion is not your friend. It is only there to kill you. When we can identify that, the causes and know the consequences, I think we're able to overcome before it gets to the point of death. Yeah. Because we're able to flee from it. Yeah. And I also want to add the same way um, lust and sexual perversion um, is a process. It starts with our thoughts. It starts with our heart, then desire, then sin, which leads to death. Healing too and and is is a process deliverance and confession happens in an instant but that healing is a process meaning you have to guard your heart with all diligence you can't just say oh i went to um a deliverance session from and i'm delivered from sexual immorality so let me now go back to my former lovers no it doesn't it doesn't work like that the mm -hmm. same way that, that there's a process for everything and in that process the lord is teaching you he's in that pain of feeling the, the consequence of your of your action, the Lord is teaching you how to overcome, how to flee as 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 Joseph did, how to be mindful of the conversations that you're having, guarding your heart. It's also a process. Yeah, and that's very key because um, one thing I I did realize personally is that. God actually wants you to be free. Yeah. Right. It's not like he's saying, Oh yeah, um, if you're free, that's cool. If you're not free. Now he desires you to be free. Um, and that's why he says in Second um, Chronicles, um, I think seven verse fourteen, um, he says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, he says, Then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive them and heal their land. Right. Blossom just talked about healing, right? All of us need healing, right? People who are, um, if you're dealing with sexual immorality, like there's, there's healing involved, there's a healing process that's involved. And God actually wants to heal you. He wants to actually deliver us from that pretty much. And so, like Blossom said, even though, um, deliverance might be an instant, there's that healing process. And God actually wants you to be free. Yes. Yeah. Um, the scripture I want to also just mention, it says, Romans 8, 6, say, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Mm. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The another, King James says to be, be carnally minded, minded is death. If yeah. you're carnally minded, you are just going to, if you're you not, you know, and I think in Galatians, Paul made it also very clear in five, in um, chapter five, verse 16 says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires <laughs> of the flesh. What this is saying 
is just learn to be obedient to the word of God. Yeah. Learn to be obedient to what of you can either obey the word of God and the, the, the leadership of the spirit, or you obey your flesh, the instincts of the flesh. Don't forget animals have those instincts too. Yeah. But what distinguishes us is that we have a spirit and we have the spirit of God. You know, so desire, desire and choose to walk in the in the spirit. And you will see these things begin to go away. Gradually, as you choose the word of God over your flesh. And for anyone who's listening now and um, you you know that in your heart, the Lord is, is pointing out this um, aspect of sexual immorality. Do not run from it. Do not run from it. I'd rather run to the altar because one thing I know the Lord does is as we try to run away from him and he's pursuing us, he begins to thwart the, the, the pleasure that we derive from our lovers. Um, in Hosea 2 verse 7, it says, when she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. She will think I might as well return to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. I mean, so, and, and back to those, those causes, those roots, we try to run, we try to self, um, self, so have self-control over our own destinies, but the Lord is pursuing us. Um, and if we would just surrender, he will give us the power and the ability to overcome. Amen. So from what we're seeing, it sounds like the key to overcoming is repentance, acknowledging and recognizing that God is not pleased with this. God, in fact, hates this sin. He doesn't hate you, but this sin is not pleasing to God because your body is his temple. So you come to him, you repent, you recognize that, you know, you are depraved apart from him and you receive his forgiveness, his redemption, his cleansing. God is the one that is saying, come, let us reason together. Yeah. Though your sins be red like scarlet, I can make them white as snow. So God is willing. God wants you. God loves you. God wants you to be free. Yes. So he's saying, come. So we answer that call and say, Lord, here I am. This are the, these are the charges against me. Here is my past. Can you forgive me? Can you redeem me? And he does it. And then you receive tools to overcome. One is Matthew five, verse 30. It says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you for it is better that you would did you would hold on wait this is king james let me actually change the version <laughs> so that's actually understandable matthew 5 30 it says and if your right hand causes you to stumble cut it off and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell this sounds very extreme but it shows the severity of the matter you know if you do not have self-control it is better for you to cut off the thing that is so drawing you into sin than to be bound to it so you make a very intentional decision that whatever will get in my way yes. whatever can possibly be a hindrance i would rather cut it off than perish and then also knowing that you know galatians 5 1 says it is for freedom that christ has set us free so stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So Christ set us free so that we could be free. He didn't set us free so that we can go on a roller coaster, go back, come back, deliverance, and then go back and forth. No, Christ's purpose for setting us free was so that we can be free. And in verse seven, it says, you were running a good race. Who cut in you to keep you from obeying the truth? So we identified the causes. We saw what are the things that cut us from running the race. We identified the consequences, the things that manifest from it. You know, the, the identity problems, the confusion, the issues, the mingling of souls. And now we've talked about how to overcome remaining in the word of God, remaining in truth and remaining in freedom and knowing that God is always able to redeem. And so I bring it back to the very first scripture. Yes. You know, if I must say this, if you cannot cut off your sin partner, if you are not able to drop your sin partner, just, you know, this person that is your, your that's leading you the, in, down the valley all the time. You don't have the energy and the strength. Then you must not be ready to follow Jesus Christ. Mm. But I would say, unless we, you know, we, we, we forget these appetites of ours, unless you carry your cross and follow me, you cannot follow me. That's what Jesus desires that if we know these things that burden us, that are the reason we are failing, the least you can do is to give them up. Yeah. And then you begin and, and experience God. But if you keep on carrying that baggage, you are deceiving yourself. Yeah. Uh, Moses, when uh, people have repented, as I mentioned Moses, David, we hear David is a man after God. So simply because he was able to repent. Yeah. You never heard the story about Beersheba in David's life, right? 
about that he did something that is like that. He gave up, their, you know, them got married anyway, but you never heard that another woman was David's problem. Yeah. In life, you know, praise God. That's true repentance. Yes. So repentance is real. And for those who may not know, repentance is yes, asking for forgiveness of your sins, but also making up a, a making up your mind to turn, to turn from where you are now to a new way of living in Christ Jesus. So with that, I'm going to bring us back to the first two scriptures I read. First Thessalonians four, verse three, which says that it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. In Ephesians five, verse three, it says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. And Sarah, you want to close. And, and I know we have exceeded our time, but many people have used courtship to trap people in sexual immorality. Yeah, It's good that we know that they, yeah. have, they have trapped you, even though they have, even though they marry you, they don't have rights to sleep with you before the actual marriage. Yeah. You know, so being trapped and, you know, people who are vigorous in the Lord, strong in the Lord, once they, they start courting, then you see them just wither away mm. because sin creeps in and then they begin to, they don't know what to do anymore. Mm. There's a way out to so repent. And if your partner refuses to repent, you know that he's going to continue to duplicate that even after he has married you. Yes. It's an opportunity to flee. Yeah. Because then, then start crying. Oh, there's, um, I, my husband is uh, doing something with another woman. You had, you saw the signs mm -hmm. and you yourself nurtured and incubated it in courtship. So if you cannot break it in courtship, it's time, it's good to flee because it's going to happen and happen and happen again in your marriage. And, you know, don't be shocked when that starts happening. Mm. So I really just want to make a call for repentance. You know, we have spoken the word of God. You know, we do not have all the time in the world. I feel like we could go on forever. There's so much to say. There is yeah. so much to say, but it's because this is such a real topic, but I do want to speak to every person who is listening and make a call to repentance. If there is even a hint of sexual immorality in your life, whether in your thoughts, in your heart, in your actions, in your relationships, if there is even a hint of sexual immorality, it is time to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I ask as I pray that you would join me in repenting before the Lord with a sincere heart, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray and I plead for everyone who is listening. I pray that we would all have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. God, if there is even a hint of sexual morality in our hearts, in our beings, in our temple, I pray, God, that you would forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Father, I plead for every listener, oh God, that they would come before you, Lord, humbly asking for your mercy and forgiveness, that you would wash them white as snow that you would deliver them from all iniquity, oh God, that Father, you would cleanse them and renew a right spirit inside of them, that they, oh God, would not be subject to this way that the enemy is destroying the people of God. Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for us. So by your spirit, I pray, help us that we may remain holy and blameless until the day of redemption. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. And if Amen. you are listening and you need somebody to talk to, you need help to get out. You feel trapped. You feel like you cannot get out. I want you to reach out. Go to BethelCampusFellowship.com and submit a prayer request. We have a prayer team who intercedes day and night for you all. So please, if you are struggling, if you are trapped, do not stay there. Please reach out. And on that note, we want to thank you so much for tuning into Moment of Truth. Stay tuned for future episodes. God bless you.